It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. On second thought, I don't know if a gunshot is such a good thing to have in your morning intro. You're, you're already playing that game. Is it gunshots or is it fireworks? Because it's July, so you're never really sure. But uh, Massachusetts has the lowest uh, rate of gunshot violence in the, the nation, so maybe we can get away with it here. But I don't think we have the lowest rate of illegal fireworks being shot, being De- shot off in the middle of the night. Definitely not. So, although it hasn't been as bad as it as it's been in the past, so there's that. I think I think they probably like everything else. They probably went up in price, and people were like, "Eh, I literally can't burn up money like that." Not this year. All right. Well, it is Monday. It is the eight o'clock hour. That means it is time to queue up the Rolling Stones because we're going to turn on the light. With Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Who is back from vacation? Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Tim. You look well rested. I am well rested. You had uh, you see had how a long it lasts. Good vacation. <laughs> I had a great vacation. Played a lot of tennis. Played a little golf. Um, uh, hung out with my sisters down the Cape. It was great. When when uh, when you are on vacation, do you sleep in? Do you still get up at the same time? You no, know, I have been an early riser all my life. I whatever time the sun comes up, I'm just out of bed. Well, so this that's time good- this time of year, I'm up out of bed at five thirty. That's a good thing to have when you're going to be filling in on Friday and Monday for me. So the, uh, the, the other part of it, though, is like I, I like to try to sleep in, you know, if I can on the days that I don't have to get up early. But I, I find that I can't. I'm still kind of getting up naturally at the, at the right time. But I can go back to sleep a little bit later if I have to, you know, yeah. take a nice nap at 9 a.m. till 11 a.m. You know, it works out pretty well. The other day I forgot to set my alarm. Last last Friday, I forgot to set my alarm, and I just naturally popped up at 4 a.m. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, that didn't take long. So the last time I filled in in the morning, I did set an alarm, even though I never set an alarm, because I just wanted to make sure that, and I may mean, always get up, but but I just figured there's no way I cannot be there at 6 o'clock. We, we appreciate that, absolutely. <laughs> so there's been a lot going on uh, in the city. First of all, I, I want to I let you know, in case you hadn't heard, because you were on vacation, I wasn't sure if you were aware, but when we talked to Catherine... Uh, Adamowitz last week, she said that she had already got over, uh, I think she said over a quarter or over a third of the signatures that they needed. Wow. So it seems like, you know, they've, they've got a strong effort going here and they might actually get those signatures, yeah. the 30, 3,100 or so. Yeah, Catherine is a serious person. There's, there's, you know, she's not some sort of uh, impulsive person. She's a uh, person who's going to think it well, think it out well. Uh, she got a lawyer. She got advice on how to do this, what was the legal way. Um, she's not someone who has a lot of experience in politics. So um, I hope she gets there, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it is um, not a small task for, for just two people, I think, her and her significant other, to, to um, collect um, all these signatures. But uh, if they really do have a quarter, that's a good start. Uh, so, but let's, let's look at it now. You have to get more than the, the number. You know, right. Otherwise. I think the 3,100 is the number that they have to get with the comfortable level of if some names get disqualified. Okay. So, uh, but let's let's look at now, if it does make it onto the ballot, how do you see that question going? Do you think the citizens of New Bedford would want to see term limits for the I city councilors? I think it will pass overwhelmingly. Do you? Easily. 
Yeah. And do you think it'll open the door? I, mean, then? I could be wrong. I mean, what do I what do I know? But I mean, just from what I know in New Bedford, it, I think it'll pass. And do you think it'll I open think the we'll, door then for for future? You know, for the next one up to be the mayor having term limits. Um, mayor is a different question. Uh, it's a different office. Um, I, I support term limits for a mayor. I, I might set it at three, which is where Mitchell would be now. He's at twelve, but um, I think that um, you know, I think the problem we have in New Bedford right now is is a city council that is just resistant to to input from anybody but a special group of their supporters i think whether that's the city employees or it's the people who have supported them and given them money and campaigns and from the people i talk to around town it's, it's a city council problem uh, there are people who who think john mitchell has overstayed his time you know i think 12 years is a good run it wouldn't be the end of the world if he didn't run i think um because mayor is a singular office, I think a lot of people are concerned that New Bedford get a quality candidate if Mitchell is not going to run. You know, you had the Jay Zeal career situation up in Fall River, so you don't want to have somebody who has an engaging personality that can get themselves elected and then just be disastrous for the city. As it, I mean, I, I think what Jay Zeal career did to Fall River's reputation was was just horrible. Um, so you, and New Bedford struggles with its reputation already in other parts of the state. So you wouldn't want that to happen. So I think it's a little bit different for the mayor's office, but but I still would support term limits. And so I think that if you do get the, the term limit questions on there, and if it does pass, um, I wonder, do you think that some some counselors would, would fare well in, in this new format of being able to Okay, you. I think if I remember correctly, you could serve what two terms, and then you had to take one off. No, you could serve. Uh, I think it was uh, four, four eight years. Yeah, four terms. Four terms. Four two-year terms. And I was then, thinking of four. And years. then you only have to take one two-year term off, which I I would not have designed it that way. If if it was me designing a reform of the New Bedford election system, I would have the at-large races run one-on-one. So you have five separate at-large races, and some cities and towns do this. And then you have a primary, and then you do it like the ward races. It comes down to one-on-one. I think that would get rid of a lot of people who can gain one of five seats but could never get elected one-on-one, you know, in a citywide election. So the reform that I would do, you know, as I thought about this more recently, um, is uh, have one-on-one races for at-large, have five separate races, you know, adds a little bit to the ballot but and then people say i'm gonna run in the in the in the um the number one at large race i'm gonna run in the number two at large race and they have a primary just like they do in the ward races and they have a final election because what's happened is you've gotten a lot of people who couldn't win one-on-one and 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 just win over and over i think the reason that they designed it that way was because they wanted people who maybe weren't that popular but had a lot to add to the city to be able to get a seat on the council. But I think what it's become is that people who aren't that popular but who have name recognition with a certain group of people just get on there and stay forever. And and then and then we also have a problem with people who have been in the long term have personal issues with other people who are in office. And that's a, a problem, I think. That's my perspective that they have these personal issues, but I think there's a lot of evidence of that. I, I would assume the case is, and I, I haven't asked Catherine specifically, it just kind of popped in my head, but I would assume the case is if you are, you know, let's just say the Ward 1 counselor for 20 years, uh, for, you know, eight years rather, uh, that you can't then say, okay, well, I'm going to not be the Ward counselor and I'm going to run at large. You, you know, they, I think that, that 
two-year break has to be for any council position, but I'm not totally sure on that. I don't know if you are. Yeah, no, I am not uh, sure on that, uh, but I, I don't know exactly why Catherine came up with the break. Uh, she told me she was advised that this was the best way to do it, but that's, that's what she did. Um, well, I think it makes it palatable for people that might consider term limits, but also like the work that these counselors have yeah. done. Like, you know, then you say, okay, somebody else gets a chance to come in, but then we can just elect them yeah. the next time. How, how about making it a four-year break instead of a two-year break? Because I think a two-year break, they just come back too quickly. But, um, uh, or a six-year break. Uh, I, I don't know. The ward councilors tend, in New Bedford at least, tend not to stay as long as, um, and the last one I knew that stayed a long, long time was Jane Gonzalez. I think she was there 20 years. But um, uh, uh, Joe Lopes had been there for a while when he got defeated. Uh, but in recent history, the ward councilors have have come and gone. It's it's the at-large councilors that have stayed. And it looks like, you know, we are getting, there'll be a few races in, in, the, uh, in the council race. There'll be a few people stepping in, running for council. I've seen a few people over the weekend that I didn't even know were, were people that were running. So Okay. I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at it since before I went on vacation, but at that time I was a little disappointed that there didn't seem to be a lot of people running. Um, uh, uh, in Ward 5, uh, the only person I knew was Joe Lopes, who was a good candidate. I think he was a good counselor, but I'd like to see some competition in that in that ward, um, uh, who else? Uh, I haven't seen any competition for uh, Sean Oliver, the newly elected. No, I haven't heard anything of that. I know Leo Shuket is running in Ward One. Yep. Um, I heard I heard that Carlos is running. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to Carlos about this. Uh, he and I have a little bit of a disagreement on this. I don't think you you really can cover politics as a journalist and, and run for election at the same time. I think you have to make a choice. And um, because if you just think about it, you, you're, you know, going to city council meetings, putting up things in a reporting fashion. It, it, it you know, I mean, you know, is social media journalist a real journalist? I, I think it is in the, in the era we live in, but I don't think you can run and, and be a candidate at the same time. And there's also uh, a candidate that I was unfamiliar with uh, until the weekend uh, Aria Whitner. I don't know if you're familiar with Aria Whitner. I am not. So, uh, I believe running for an at-large position. Yes, uh, city council at-large candidate. The um, the first transgender woman really? to to run in New Bedford. So interesting. Um, I, again, I don't know how serious of a campaign it is. Uh, she has a Facebook page and everything, but uh, again, this is the first I've heard of it. So, and it seems like the page started well, started a day ago. So it's, that's probably why we haven't heard anything. Well, that should be interesting. A recent decision. Uh, and then, of course, the mayor's race. You know, we haven't heard anything really about that. Mayor Mitchell has not given us any indication as to what he's going to do. Yeah, so there's, there's starting to be a lot of discussion um, in the city as to what's going on. Um, the mayor, as has been his practice, and, 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 and almost anybody who's been an incumbent mayor has done this. Um, uh, Scott Lang did it. Uh, I, uh, I'm not sure about Fred Kalis, but you wait until the end and you announce at the last minute, that prevents anybody who might be considering a run who was going to raise some serious money, unless they had already raised the money, um, uh, from, from really challenging you. There are a few people that have um, the ability to run without raising a lot of money. I would say Brian Gomes would be one of them. He has high name recognition. But most people that w would want to run... Uh, I think Scott Lang is another exception. He demonstrated when he defeated Fred Kalis that he could raise money at the last minute. I think what, what Scott did was he um, uh, gave his his campaign a loan and then paid himself back as he raised the money. Um, I, I have heard some talk that even if um, 
the mayor runs for re-election, even if Mitchell runs, that there will be um, a, quote, serious opponent um, this time. You know, I don't want to call anybody's campaign unserious or serious, but there are people who um, I think it's generally agreed among the political press that what we call vanity campaigns, and those are people who are not well-known, don't um, have any large group of people supporting them or uh, money that they've raised and that, that put their names forward and then they get a platform in the debates to, at least the preliminary election debates, to to um, say whatever's on their mind. But nobody really thinks of them as, as, as a, a serious candidate in the sense that someone could actually be elected mayor of New Bedford. I don't say that to be insulting. I, I, I say it just because it's, it's true. You know, to, to be elected, you have to have a certain gravitas, a certain ability to raise money. Yeah, the I mean, the last opponent that Mayor Mitchell had, Tyson Moultrie, that turned out to be, you know, a farce, really. Yeah, Tyson originally looked like he was sort of halfway between uh, a vanity candidate and a serious candidate. He was a very engaging fellow. You know, uh, his resume turned it out to be all smoke and mirrors, but uh, uh, it was a farce. He actually finished third. Um, Brian Gomes finished second. Brian says he finished second by accident by not getting to take his name off the ballot. I thought it was sort of a... Uh, a stalking thing to see how well he would do if he kept his name on the ballot, but whatever. Uh, Tyson finished third and and then blew up during the general election. So I would think if Mayor Mitchell is going to be a very late announcement here, which he's got another couple of weeks here, uh, if he's going to be a late announcement, who who could step up and challenge him in such short notice? Well, well, there's a lot of talk in the city about Scott Lang mm-hmm. um, coming back. Uh, Scott has always said he didn't want to be, you know, uh, sort of endlessly. You know, he comes, he's sort of like the definition of a citizen politician. He thinks an issue needs to be addressed and he comes on and he serves for a while and, and then he leaves. And he's um, toyed with the idea of running for the U.S. Senate uh, he toy, uh, before Joe Kennedy got in. Uh, then he supported Kennedy. Um, so he's, th- there is some talk about Scott running um who does not to seem to be all that happy with the way uh, Mitchell has been mayor. Uh, this uh, talk of Tony Cabral, uh, who ran against Mitchell the um, very first time, 12 years ago now. And um, Tony, people forget, finished first in that preliminary election. Mitchell finished second and Linda Morad finished third. And um, uh, Mitchell came back and, and, and beat Tony in the final election. So... Uh, uh, we'll see. Linda Morad is another person that people talk about running. She would have the money, the ability to raise money. Uh, I think she would have high negatives, but we will see. I think that uh, any one of those folks could immediately just jump right in, too. Yes. Like, as soon as the announcement happens. Yes. From, from Mayor Mitchell. All of them. And be serious candidates. And there's, I think there's at least one candidate, I can't remember his name, but there was one person who had taken out papers to run and had started, you know, made a filing and everything. So seemed like they were at least somewhat serious about doing it. I don't know if they're still in the race. Um, there's another person who's been claiming on social media for three years that they're running for the office, but has never actually oh, yeah. filed anything. I, I, I thought there were three or four candidates who have who have actually taken out the papers for mayor. Well, there's one person that I know of that's actually started the process and fi- made the oh, filings okay, uh, with the OCPF. Filings. I, I mean. see. So I don't know. I'm sure those other ones will, but they just, uh, they haven't yeah. yet that I've seen. Yeah, there's, when, the, when the filing deadline approaches, I'm always surprised because there are any number of candidates who take out the papers and then don't return the filings. Either they found it too difficult or they changed their mind, whatever. And I think sometimes they just take out the papers, as a, as, like you said, as a test. You know, they're just trying to test and see, like, 
do I do I even enter in the conversation here if I do this? Yeah, I just want to see what kind of what kind of reaction I get from the community. And we also will see, I am sure, you know, um, debates and everything. We'll have them here, and uh, South Coast now probably will be the ones where they'll they'll have them now because Chris and Marcus do a great job with those. But you know, we'll have uh, any any contested races yeah. here. We'll we'll have the chance. You'll have the chat. Yeah, it it really has been um, a blessing for South Coast. Uh, tonight and now South Coast now um, and the New Bedford Light to come along because before that happened, there were fewer and fewer debates um, in New Bedford elections and I think it was leading to fewer and fewer candidates. Um, there's fewer, there's, there's less and less interest in American politics at the local level anyway and I think that's very dangerous. Um, you know, people have all kinds of options for media now and whereas when I was growing up, which is before you, you were growing up, everybody watched the same local news at night so right. everybody was reasonably well informed everybody re read the standard times or whatever the paper was that was in their hometown now these papers a lot of them have collapsed the um local news no you know some people watch it but a very large particularly of young and, and middle-aged people even now just um are on um social media or they are on um games or, or, or watching cable TV, esoteric stations. Maybe you watch um, uh, sports all the time. Maybe you watch sitcoms all the time. And so people just have turned, turned out of politics. Yeah, I mean, I, I was somebody that, you know, read the paper cover to cover because the way I looked at it, I paid for it. So I paid to have it delivered to my house. So I was going to read it cover to cover. Mm -hmm. And I didn't re really always understand everything that was going on in New Bedford because I was living in Wareham. It didn't affect me, but I still tried to like keep up to date with it all. Now we have, you know, discussions here. We have debates here, but we're, we're really preaching to the choir. We're talking to the people who are going to make up that, you know, 7%, 12%, whoever's going to turn out. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, there needs to just be more outreach, I yeah. think. If we get a contested mayor's race, it'll be a little bit high. Uh, maybe not in the preliminary. The preliminary elections tend to be low. But in the final election, if we have a contested mayor's race, it'll be higher. All right. Well, we got to take a break. We will uh, do that. If you want to call in and talk with Jack Spillane, 508-996-0500. You can also hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app. Got a few app messages, too, from people who were asking about the ticket giveaways that we're doing this week and where to find them on the app. So there's stories that we published over the weekend. They were published on Saturday with your chance to enter to win. So you might just have to load down, you know, load up some more stories on the app as you're scrolling down. That will get you into where you can enter to win them. Uh, the problem is we've got so many buttons going at the top right now that I had, uh, didn't put buttons up there at the top, but maybe we can do that. And maybe just we'll have to switch off one contest one day, one contest the other day. All right, we're going to take a break and be back in just a few moments. And we will be talking more with Jack Blaine coming up in just a few moments. We'll continue turning on the light and taking your phone calls at 508-996-0500 and your app chat messages on the WBSM app. You can also send us open line voicemails on the WBSM app as well. If you haven't already downloaded the app what are you waiting for get it from your app store wherever you find your apps or you can send uh, an email to me tim at wbsm.com and i'll send it to you or you can go right on our website wbsm.com click on the listen tab and there's an option there that will allow you to type in the email address that you use on your phone and it will send the app directly to your phone it can't be any easier and also keep in mind too that if you don't use the app say you want to use an alexa device or 
or a Google Home device, you can actually activate WBSM for those as well. All the instructions are right there for you at WBSM.com under that Listen tab to make sure that you can listen to us however you want to listen to us. But the WBSM app, of course, is brought to you by our friends at South Coast Towing. They make it all possible. All right, right now, though, we are going to go into the newsroom. We're going to get an update on all the things that are happening nationally and internationally with Adam Bass. President Biden is meeting with King Charles in London on the first leg of a five-day European trip. Biden also met with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak this morning, and then he'll travel to Lithuania to hold talks with NATO leaders in support of Ukraine, though he has made clear of his belief that now is not the time to bring Ukraine into the alliance. A California Marine is in custody after a 14-year-old girl reported missing a month ago was found in the barracks of Camp Pendleton. Authorities say the missing girl with learning disabilities was found on June 28th. In a TikTok video, the girl's aunt says she was sold to a Marine for sex and had been raped. So far, one Marine is in custody. Highway data over the 4th of July has been released. Sarah Bartlett has details. Virginia State Police say five people died in four crashes between July 3rd and July 4th this year. They happened in Arlington, Buchanan, Charles City, and Craig Counties. Also in that time period, police say they arrested 36 drivers for DUI and gave out more than 2,000 speeding citations and 980 reckless driving citations. There were also more than 300 citations handed out for people who weren't buckled up or had their children improperly buckled. More than 120 drivers were cited for using a cell phone while driving, which is a violation of the hands-free law in Virginia. I'm Sarah Bartlett. Another show, another performer hit by an object thrown onto the stage. This time it was Harry Styles. During his concert Saturday in Vienna, in Vienna, Austria, Styles was on stage when an unidentified object let, hit him directly in his left eye. Video on social media shows him stop, bend over, and cover his eye before he continues on. Several artists have been struck by thrown objects in recent weeks. A leading NASA scientist says the El Nino weather cycle is part of the reason the U.S. is seeing record temperatures this summer. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Chief NASA Scientist and Climate Advisor Dr. Kate Calvin said while climate change drives higher temperatures overall, El Nino is continuing to warm temperatures. Calvin added that the El Nino years are typically warmer than La Nina years, although 2022 was the warmest La Nina year in, and fifth warmest overall. The Powerball jackpot has ballooned to one of the biggest ever. It's up to $650 million. No grand prize ticket has been sold since April. The lump sum option on the prize is now figured at just under $3,300 million, million before fees and taxes. The next drawing is tonight followed by a chance to win $480 million in Tuesday night's Mega Millions drawing. Wet weather is in the forecast for western Massachusetts on Monday. The National Weather Service has placed Hampton, Hampshire, and Franklin counties other, under a flash flood watch. Berkshire County is under a flood warning. The Weather Service says the highest risk area will be west of Interstate 91. Up to four inches of precipitation is forecasted. And authorities are investigating after thieves broke into the house of Tina Knowles, the mother of Beyonce and Solange Knowles. The Los Angeles Police Department confirms her Hollywood home was robbed last Wednesday. TMZ reports the thieves made off with more than a million dollars in cash and jewelry after stealing Knowles' entire safe. No one was home at the time of the break-in. 
In April, a man was arrested on suspicions of throwing rocks into Knowles' mailbox. In sports, the Red Sox swept the Oakland Athletics after winning 4-3 last night. On Friday, the Sox will face the Chicago Cubs first pitch at 8.05 p.m. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. We're looking at it being cloudy and humid today with those spot thunder showers around the area. Expect these to be heavy at times. We'll have some heavy downpours moving in with it. We'll be reaching a high of 77 degrees. Heading into the evening hours, we'll still keep the thunderstorms lingering around the area and into the overnight. We're going to stay humid and mostly cloudy for the night, 65 degrees. For tomorrow, warmer with a mix of sun and clouds, high of 84. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is current. Currently 69 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Wake up! He'll wake you up better than that extra large cup of coffee. No. More Tim Weisberg on WBSM. And more turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Uh, we got an app chat message from uh, DSY New Bedford who says, Tim, I don't know if it was brought up already, but is Mitchell running again? And we don't know at this point. He's yeah. got a couple more weeks to, to make up his mind. Yeah. So DSY, the only thing we can say is he's doing what um, incumbent mayors often do is keep everybody guessing till the last minute. Yeah. But I, I don't know if you've caught him uh, at the beginning of his South Coast Now appearances. Now that we can call it South Coast now. But when he comes in at 11 o'clock, every, every week now he starts off with a big announcement. <laughs> and they tease the big announcement, and it's never whether or not he's running yeah. for re-election. But I, I have tried every which way but loose over the years to, to, to get me to get him to even just hint at, at where he's going, and he never does. He's very good at not, like, dropping anything. Like, like not even saying, like, well, you know, maybe next year we can do this. Like, no, no, yeah. no. He, uh, he'll say, you know, next year... You know, whoever is the mayor, yeah. they're like, ah, I got, uh, thought we were going to catch him up there. Uh, so the other thing that uh, I definitely want to make sure that we can talk about, and again, you've been on vacation, so if anybody's wondering why you haven't had any columns at New Bedford Light, it's because you were on vacation. I'm very happily not writing columns. But uh, I'm sure you've got something in the works. I, I do have something in the works, but I, I think I'll, on this one, I think I'll... Uh, Keep my cars close to the vest. But maybe uh, maybe you'll be talking about it with folks by Friday or by I next Monday. I definitely will be talking about it by Friday. Okay. And uh, so that will be something you can discuss with Jack. But one other thing that I want to discuss for sure is we, if you follow along with New Bedford Light, of course, all of your writers there do a great job doing these really in-depth stories. And we've talked before about the abortion desert here in southeastern Massachusetts. And there was a, a very interesting article that actually looked at how some of that is changing. Uh, Anastasia Lennon wrote this piece, and it seems like there's at least, you know, an option for folks. Yeah, so it's medication abortion. Um, you know, uh, I know this is a, a challenging topic for, 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 for all, but I think it's something that we really do have to pay attention to. Uh, for the longest time, the past 20 years or so, southeastern Massachusetts, not just New Bedford, has been what's called an abortion desert. And in the light of the Dobbs decision last year, um, we had done a story at the New Bedford Light about the abortion desert, and um, some of the groups have now organized health imperatives in particular has um, started a medication abortion outlet, not only in New Bedford, but Plymouth, uh, Hyannis, um, Plymouth, Hyannis, New Bedford, uh, I think uh, Fall River, and um, a couple of other ones. And so you don't have to go all the way to Attleboro where you had to go before. If you need a surgical abortion, you would still need to go that that 
uh, far. But it's important because um, medication abortion is now 71% of abortions are in this country. People think that abortions don't happen here. They very much do. Uh, all of the surveys show that they happen among all religious groups, among all races, among all income groups. It is a, a facet of human sexuality. It needs to be dealt with. And now it can be done in a safe uh it was particularly a challenging situation for women who could not travel easily to Boston or Providence or Attleboro, you know, who, who needed these services. Um, uh, and I think for medication abortion, you can always get them, you know, in the mail and, and, and things like that. But I think a lot of women will feel more comfortable if there is a, a medical provider in, involved, someone who knows what's going on, that if, if anything should go wrong. You know. and, and not to mention, there's probably, you know, there's a psychological aspect to it, too, that you don't want to be going through that alone and just getting it in the mail and, and, and doing it either. Yeah. So I, I think that um, this is an issue that is not going away and is going to play a big role, I think, in the presidential campaign, because now that the Supreme Court um, has has ruled that there's no right um, to an abortion, many states are, are, are moving to make it practically impossible. Uh, Florida, the most notable, with Governor DeSantis with a six-week um, abortion ruling when, when many women don't even know that they're pregnant. And so uh, I think people want the old. I think it was Bill Clinton who said abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. That, that's where most people are, that they want it to be safe, they want it to be available uh, to women, and they, they do not want us to go back to the, 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 the old back alley days where things were, were difficult. So um, that's a story that New Bedford Light does. Um, we're proud of it. You know, it's not easy for media in a community um, setting to, to, to do stories on abortion, but we don't shy away from them. And uh, you can read it there by Anastasia Lennon. Let's, uh, let's take a phone call here. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Yes. Um, I understand that Bruce Duart Jr., the former consular Ward 4, is running for consular at large. I think he would have a better shot running against Ward 4 consular, uh, uh, consular Baptista, which I don't think he'll win anyways. But he's in the race. That, that's a very interesting um, point caller because I noticed that Bruce had put his name back in the, the race. Um, I think um, consulars need to get to 10 years before they are eligible for the pensions. A lot of people put their, their names in for that. But I was, I, was, I was struck by the fact that he put it in for at-large. Maybe he thinks the at-large um, consulars are more... Uh, uh, vulnerable than um, the Ward 4 consular. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to run against a, a fellow Cape Verdean, but but there are also many Cape Verdean at-large consulars. I'm not sure what, what Bruce uh, is thinking about. He's a former consul president, a very capable guy, uh, uh, an interesting guy. It's interesting to see. Yes, I, well, I believe there's going to be change in the city council, hopefully. All right, well, it, it certainly sounds like there's a lot of going to be a lot of opportunity for it. We'll also have uh, Scott Lehmer trying to move from Ward 5 to the at-large race, possibly. He has, said he, possibly. He, yeah. he has said he hasn't made up his mind yet, but he took out papers for at-large, but not for Ward 5, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, when, is the, when is the deadline that they have to uh, decide whether or not? The is 20, it next week? 29th, right? Is that right? Yeah, I, I don't have it off the top of my head. It's, it's 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 almost always at the end of July, first week of August. That that that's when it is. That that's the deadline for taking out the papers. The returning the papers is a week or so later. Okay, thank you. Thank you.
All right, 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and chime in, we're going to take our next break and be back in a few moments. More Turning on the Light with Jack Spillane when we come back. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane, and we're going to talk some trash, Jack and I, in just a moment. But first, we have a couple phone calls here. So good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hi. Good morning, Tim and Jack. Good morning, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Good morning. Um, yes, it will be a very interesting uh, mayoral race. I'm looking forward to finding out, you know, who actually will run. Um I wanted to report that we have uh, 1,450 signatures or so as of uh, last night, uh, petition signing for term limits for our city council. And uh, we will be at Shaw's uh, today from 2 to 6 and probably through Thursday, but I'll call in if it's okay and, and, and make sure that uh, we're staying there through Thursday. But definitely today, uh, 2 to 6. So uh, things are rolling along, along, that's for sure. Wow, it sounds like you're really doing the legwork, Catherine. Um, so what are you finding is most effective in, in gathering these signatures? Um, well, at the beginning of this, I would just, you know, my style was to sit at the table and, you know, just good morning to people. But um, And some people will come over. You know, if they see when they see the sign on of their own initiative, um, but what I started doing was saying first, are you a new, you know, good morning, are you a New Bedford resident? And um, then if, when they come if and when they come over to the table, and most do, I say, are you a registered voter? We're trying to get a question on the ballot, blah blah blah. So and and that seems to be doing very well. Hmm. Um, now my partner uh, wears a cowboy hat, and he's. <laughs> very uh, outgoing, um, and uh, I think he does about the same thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's drawing the signatures, but I, I can tell you for sure that uh, being on WBSM is making a huge difference. That's people hearing, um, you know, about where we're going to be, and some people are recognizing my voice, for better or for worse. And... Um, and the face group is, is spreading, too. So it's all of this is helping. And um, we did get uh, someone uh, who brought in brought signatures to us who had the question, you know, and, and the signature page, a couple of pages of signatures. So this is all to the good. Have you been up to Truckee's in the north end, the far north end? Not yet. We will. I think Truckee's is probably a, a, a high-traffic place uh, for people who like to... To shop at a locally owned uh, supermarket. Yes, no, they're definitely uh, Truckee's is definitely on the list. Um, but thanks. And, 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 I, and I personally will sign anything that a cowboy hat guy comes up to. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I had a red, white, and blue one, uh, you know, over the Fourth of July weekend, and I was popular with it. So <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I got myself in trouble by signing something a guy in a cowboy hat put in front of me. <laughs> All right, Catherine, thank you for the call. You have a good day. Thanks. You too. Bye. And uh, let's squeeze in another one here before we get to take our final break of the hour. You're next with Jack Spillane. Hello. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Gilly. Good morning. How are you guys doing? My question to uh, Tim. Yes. Um, Jack's going to fill in for you Friday. Mm-hmm. Is Linda Morrett and uh, the guest that she always says is going to... Nope. I told, I, I told him to take the week off this week because I'm not here. 
I don't, I don't, I don't like to foist, uh, you know, segments on to a guest host. I let them, I want them to be able to run their own show. I'm just curious if she'd show up because of uh, Jack having that show because he never returns her his call sometimes. So she, she told me either way to let her know what we wanted to do, and I said, why don't we just take the week off? Wow. Yeah, and, and, and just Jack, from, I'm looking for, and Jack, this is for you. I'm looking for, forward to see what article you got by Friday. Okay. I, I hope I, I hope it's always a good one, um, I, uh, uh, and we'll see what people want to talk about. And um, and I I just want to say that I've criticized Linda Morad quite a bit, but I think she's a capable, um, good counselor in many respects. I've thought that she made you know serious mistakes and others, and I'm always happy to talk to her if she wants to talk to me. And I always understand if she doesn't Jack, because I have criticized her. Jack, let me tell you something. Linda's a smart woman. Okay, I worked for her for nine and a half years. She's just a little vindictive, okay, because things don't go her way. And I know personally, but I'm not, I'm not there, but the idea is in her position, she's got to work with everybody, not just the chosen few. And, and, and that just, just, you know, in terms of what, how it relates to WBSM, that, that segment is, you know, for the listeners. That's not something that she does for me. That's not something she would do for Jack. That's something she does for the listeners to well, be able well, to have those conversations, well, hear those I conversations. That I understand, Tim, but I mean, as an elected official, and I could be wrong, but I doubt it, um, everybody else takes calls. Everybody takes calls when you have them on there. And, and as I've explained before, they're on the phone. There's two people on the phone. It would not work if we tried to take phone calls. They wouldn't be able to hear the caller. The caller wouldn't be able to hear them. So she she came in once before and took phone calls here in studio. We'll have her come in and do it again before the summer's out. Well, that's the thing. But I just want to uh, say about, you know, the, the city, well, I don't want to say anything, but I just was wondering about that and also... Uh, to Jack that I hope you do a good article. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. All right. Uh, why don't we take our final break of the hour? When we come back, we'll talk a little trash. 508-996-0500. And welcome back in. So, Jack, in the remaining three minutes that we have, let's talk a little trash. All right. So um, I was a little bit perturbed because, uh, you know, trash is a serious thing. You know, when you have a small uh, postage st- uh, stamp sized lot in New Bedford and you got to get that trash out. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Harvey, on their way out, did not collect the recyclables and and um, waited one day, waited two days. They still hadn't, hadn't collected them. And then late Saturday afternoon, all of a sudden, there's capital, a capital yellow truck without the uh, automatic claws coming up the street. And there they are collecting the recyclables. And I knew that the mayor had said that, that the city was going to do it at first. And I thought it was you had to bring things to the, to the, tra- to the transfer station. They were just going to be manning the transfer station. Okay. And then they would work it out with capital later. But I knew Javi was still on for that last week. So I've been on vacation wondering what the heck happened to uh, that last recycling pickup and why did capital end up doing it during Javi's contract? And not only that, the mayor said here last week with Chris and Marcus on South Coast Now, as it's now known, uh, that uh, they're not going to pay Harvey that last payment that they owe them because of the way that they Ah, dropped the ball at the end. Interesting. And then, you know, I've seen a lot of stories from people who have said, you know, that they've gone out, they've talked to the capital drivers, they've, uh, you know, that they've seen them come out and bring the barrels back and put them where they're supposed to be. And, you know, they've offered them lemonade and all kinds of stuff. And, 
Right. There is going to be a honeymoon period, I'm sure. But it seems like Capital's aware of the issues that were happening with Harvey, and they're looking to go above and beyond. I'd like to know what the negotiation issues were. You know, I know negotiations are private for something like that, but but what the things were that Harvey wouldn't meet, you know, and what the things that Capital offered were, you know, did the, did the city well, save money? From because what, the, the Capital trucks don't have these automatic laws. It's going to be a, a more labor-intensive uh, uh The mayor said business. that Capital was not the lowest bidder. Uh, and Council President Morad told us last Friday that um, actually that uh, ABC, went, I'm sorry, Harvey, when they were looking to, to renegotiate the contract, came back with a huge number. And then they ended up coming down in the negotiations later, but they came in with an exorbitant, as she put it, uh, contract proposal. And so now she said that they, they were not the lowest either. So yeah. it was this third one that was involved so, that was the lowest. I, I think the mayor is... It's in- on him to um, give a reason for why they went with 